Playing with my magic eight ball, so that can only mean one thing. It's time for another edition of the Cybersecurity Matter uh, Matters Podcast. I am your co-host Dominic Vogel, and joining me uh, in the studio in Vancouver on a lovely sunny day is Mr. Christian Redshaw. Christian, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, but my question is, when are you going to join me in the studio? When's that going to happen? As soon as that vaccine comes out, baby, I'll be there. <laughs> so, Sounds good. Uh, who uh, and I look forward to that day. I miss you dearly. <laughs> Likewise, man. <laughs> Who uh, who is our uh, who is our guest today? So his name is Andrew Martin, and he is the CEO and founder of a company called DynaRisk. And I'm really looking forward to today's conversation because we're going to be talking about something called the dark web. It's largely a nasty place, and you don't want to find your name or your company name there. Yes, as the name suggests, it is a very dark, very dark. <laughs> dark, desolate place. But uh, uh, Andrew is a fantastic individual. I know he's uh, always uh, brings really uh, awesome insights. So we'll take a pause here. We'll uh, invite Andrew in and we will start momentarily. Let's do it. Andrew Martin, welcome to Cybersecurity Matters. Thanks very much. It's great to be here. Awesome. So your company is called DynaRisk, and you guys do a very special and important service for companies and for individuals. Uh, I'm curious to know uh, what the origin story of DynaRisk is. Where are you guys based, and and how did it come to be? Yeah, well, I, I'm going to try. I'm going to try and keep this concise because an origin story can take a while. But uh, <laughs> you know, I started the company in in, uh, in 2016. Uh, I used to work for a number of, uh, of banks uh, in, in Canada, CIBC, RBC, in the UK, uh, HSBC, and you know, as I was as I was working in, in uh, the corporate world, I just kept finding that small to medium sized businesses and consumers really didn't have the same level of protection that those big enterprises could uh, could afford. You know, they could have huge security teams, really great, sexy cybersecurity tools, but for the rest of the market. You know those those tools uh, and those skills just aren't available at a at a price point that the most companies can afford. So, what uh, what I ended up doing was I created the uh, the world's first personal cybersecurity score. We called it uh, Cyber Expert, and it assesses an individual to see if they're at risk of getting hacked. Uh, does dark web monitoring, vulnerability scanning, and and some things like that. And originally, I thought, well, I'm just going to turn around and, and pitch this to all the banks that I used to work at, and they're going to roll it out to all their all their consumers, and I'm going to have you know millions of users. Well, that didn't happen. <laughs> um, you know, the banks were all very receptive. Yes, 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 sounds like a great idea, but in the end, uh, didn't didn't sign on the dotted line. But I did find that insurance companies uh, were uh, my my prime target. Uh, you know, insurance companies. Um, we're selling new insurance products, personal cyber insurance, ID theft insurance, and that was a, a really great product for them. Uh, and so, you know, all, all startup companies end up doing a pivot or two. And so we started selling into those insurance companies and, uh, and they loved it. And, you know, now we've got insurance companies in about uh, eight or 10 countries all over the world, uh, bundling their product for, for their consumers. But, um, the the second iteration of of the company we released a product last year uh, that we call breach defense and um, it was specifically to talk to tackle this uh sme segment of of companies where you know we kept hearing from our insurance partners you know god we just we need a tool for small to medium-sized businesses they're getting hit with ransoms uh they're you know these insurance companies were paying out a lot of money in claims 
hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars of, uh, of claims for cyber insurance uh, uh, events that were happening in, in their insured books. And they said, you know, can you can you please help us with something for uh, the SME and mid-market uh, segment? So we took uh, a year, we built uh, a new product specifically for that segment. And again, we, you know, we found really great traction with those insurance companies, uh, but also um, those uh, small to medium-sized businesses uh, direct as well. So you know, foreign exchange trading companies, asset management companies, uh, construction companies, you know, you name it. There's there's a, a huge diverse mix of um, of small to medium sized businesses there. And they're just they're dying for for tools that are easy to use and don't cost the earth. Uh, so we found a lot of a lot of great traction in that segment. I'm going to take the next question. I know Dominic probably has some in the chamber there, but I just wanted to dive in a little bit on what what the, the company actually does. And the, the big focus, as I understand it, is the dark web. So dark web sounds awful. It sounds like a place you don't want your, your name showing up in. Uh, I believe a lot of unsavory uh, characters like to uh, spend their time there. Uh, can you, in really, um, really plain English, uh, whether it's uh, England English or Canadian English or American English, uh, please tell the viewers what the dark web is. Before we get into dark web specifically, there's there's three different you know uh, layers to the internet. You've got the surface web, which is just you know you go onto Google, you search for a site, you go to I don't know CNN. That's the surface web. Then you've got the deep web, which is uh, uh, it's the it's the publicly available internet, but these are services that are behind some some sort of form of of logging into something so these are web forums or chat rooms or, or things like that where you know you can't just google for something in those places uh, and and get the results um, and then you've got the dark web and the dark web is a essentially a separate internet uh, it was originally uh set up as a as a research project by uh a, a government agency in in the us to promote um, freedom of speech, you know, the ab ability for dissidents to, to share, uh, you know, publications that they were publishing or uh, to chat amongst themselves without fear of, of censorship. Uh, but of course, uh, cyber criminals have, uh, have latched on to, to the dark web. And uh, because it's an anonymized uh, network, they feel that they can share information there uh, without fear of repercussion from, from law enforcement. So it's very easy to get onto the dark web. You download a piece of software called Tor, uh, which connects you to this, uh, this hidden uh, internet. And then you can just start, start looking for dark web uh, services, forums. This is the, on the dark web, you've got places where, you know, you can buy drugs and illegal weapons and things like that. But there's a huge trade in, uh, in stolen or leaked data uh, on, on this part of the internet. Um, and so we, we're in there all the time. We're, we're in a number of uh, cyber criminal communities, uh, hundreds of them in different languages of all over the world. Uh, and you know we, we monitor their activities. We see what they're doing. Uh, we see attacks that they're planning before they've launched them. Uh, we see them talking about companies after they've hacked them, they'll say, oh, hey, guys, you know, I just broke into this 200-person uh, um, manufacturing company. Uh, have at it. <laughs> and, you know, they'll, they'll sell access to these companies. 
so that uh, other criminals can go in and, and plant ransom viruses. Um, they'll they'll steal the data from the company and then they'll talk about the best way to monetize it. It's uh, you know it's an interesting but very scary uh, sort of uh, network to be in. Andrew, um, one of the things which um, I think you and I discussed it uh, at some point earlier, and um, uh, but um, for, for our viewers and listeners, how, how do we overcome the, I'd say there's still that false sense of security with the small and mid-sized businesses in which you still have many business executives in the SCB market who say, oh, we don't have to worry about cybersecurity. We're not a big target or we don't have a sense of information or we have antivirus. You know, we're, we're, we're good. What's your message to those organizations that are still stuck in that like 1995 mindset? Uh, how, how do we bring them to the, you know, the, you know, the fact that it's 2021 and that cyber threat and the cyber threat landscape today is very different than what it looks like looked like in the late 90s and early 2000s. So for most of the decision makers at, at these organizations, you know, they might not have grown up with tech uh, like you know, like I did uh, as a as, as a young kid, and so you know, if you can't see it or touch it. It, it's not real and and cyber threats you know as much as we see marketing material you know person in hooded sweatshirt hand reaching through the computer to steal your money it's it's very difficult to grasp these these nebulous threats and it's very easy to think yeah this will never happen to me you know those those bad guys in eastern europe why would they target my company and the you have to understand that the way cyber criminals work you know, yes, they might specifically target a bank, uh, JP Morgan, RBC, something like that. But for the small to medium sized businesses, they just spray and pray. So they'll try and send phishing emails to 100,000 companies. And one of those companies will be yours, I guarantee it. Uh, and so it's just a numbers game for the for the criminals. And then they just they see what they get. And uh, when they go back and look and see, oh, actually I got a foothold in this company, this company and that company. Oh, what companies are these? Most of them are SMEs. In fact, you know, we, we track over 1600 companies that have been hit with ransom viruses recently. And 60% of them are SMEs. They're not big corporates. Uh, some of them are, of course, but the majority of them are uh, medium-sized companies. Um, and, you know, we've got a specific hacker chatter where hackers are talking about hacking companies. We've got 3.2 million records of them talking about various companies that they're hacking. Um, and, and they're all over the place. I mean, just, just before, you know, we, uh, we started recording here, I pulled up some of our data and we've got uh, 111 Canadian companies that we know to have been ransomed in the last six to nine months. You know, we've got companies in oil and gas, law firms, financial services, construction, real estate, retail, you know, you name it. Uh, there are companies getting hacked literally all the time. But of course, no one talks about this publicly. Uh, you know, if a, if a hundred person manufacturing gets hit with a ransomware virus, it doesn't make the news. And so as a result, people, you know, they don't hear about cases of similar companies getting hacked. And as a result, they, they take uh, little action. So one of the things that, that helps us tremendously is having this data set where we can, you know, walk into a meeting with any client and say, well, here are five companies just like yours who have been hacked. 
Um, and that's the, the power of being in these communities and, and having access to this kind of data because we see the real world examples uh, all day, every day. Wow. Well, you, you really led into the question that I was going to ask you is what kind of companies are you seeing there? I mean, if you're spending time there all the time, I find that absolutely fascinating. Can you pull back the curtain for us and um, talk about those industries? Like, yes, you have examples of all of these different things. Are there, are there, is there one or two in particular that you're seeing more than others? So generally speaking, you know, we have companies from every sector who, who have been hit, uh, you name it, they're, they're at risk. Where we see more activity uh, than other sectors are uh, law, Definitely law, uh, you know, law firms uh, transact a lot of uh, dollars going through their business. They're in, they are in possession of sensitive information. Hackers know this and law firms tend to be smaller. You know, you don't get a lot of 20,000 people law firms. There are lots of law firms that are 10 people, 50 people, you know, one or 200 people. And uh, as a result, they don't have, generally speaking, you know, compared to the larger firms, as robust the controls in place. So law firms definitely one. Uh, real estate agents, uh, real estate servicing businesses uh, also get hit quite frequently. Again, they, you know, any anyone who's at the center of uh, real estate transactions, they they know or or you know M and A transactions, they know that if they disrupt that business, that their business will grind to a halt. And when that happens, the business is going to feel a lot of pressure to pay the ransom. They need to get the business back up and running as quickly as possible. And if you're transacting, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars a day in real estate deals, et cetera, you do not want to have that disrupted. And so we find that, you know, companies will pay ransoms uh, in, in those areas. Uh, also construction and manufacturing. So, with these businesses, this is where, you know, their IT capabilities are usually a bit less sophisticated than uh, financial services companies. Financial services companies have a lot of regulation, which drive them to have very specific controls. You know, they're hand handling a lot of personal information. They're handling credit card transactions, potentially. So they, they do get targeted quite a bit, but they have relatively robust controls, whereas in the construction and manufacturing sector, they have relatively weaker controls uh, because there is less regulation on companies, uh, you know, who are who are building physical goods uh, because they don't have the amount of, of personal data that they would need to safeguard, and they just haven't been used to uh, fending off these attacks for nearly as long as uh, financial services companies have been. Well, this is the conversation that I've been, you know, wanting to have for for such a long time. This is this is exciting <laughs> to me. Uh, two two more that come to my mind that I'm curious about: IT managed service providers and insurance uh, providers themselves, specifically the the brokerages. What are you seeing there? So we we work with a few managed services providers, uh, and uh, and we're looking to grow that uh, to to reach more of those of those SME businesses. Um, in terms of the managed services providers, they're looking to do more for their customers, obviously. Um, what, what's great about managed services providers is they've got a, a trusted relationship with this partner. They've been working with them for a number of years, potentially. Um, and, and so when we work with a, with a new managed services partner, they go, well, 
um, you know, we'd really like to add dark web monitoring, or we'd really like to add this this uh, solution of yours into the mix for our clients, uh, and they can just sort of turn it on uh, overnight and and then start rolling it out to a lot of different clients. So we we really like working with managed services providers, um, and you know, there's a managed services providers come in all shapes and sizes. Some just do the the actual IT stuff. Some Start, have started to specialize in security uh, because they see that uh, their clients really, really need that. Uh, but, you know, we were happy to work with, uh, you know, the more traditional companies who are just embarking on embedding security services into their uh, uh, portfolio for their clients or ones that have been, you know, doing some probably penetration testing, let's say, for their clients for a while. But now they want to uh, up their game a little bit and add uh, some more comprehensive solutions. Um, and then uh, on the subject of insurance companies, uh, insurance companies, you know, the, the trend right now is insure tech. Insurance companies are no longer just doing policies, you know, pieces of paper that they hope no one will claim on. <laughs> uh, insurance companies work out a, a claims, uh, a loss ratio where they think, you know, 2% of our policyholders will make a claim. And that means that if 100 companies purchase this policy, that 98% of them won't have made a claim on it. And this uh, this has you know, driven this need for insurance companies to engage all of their policyholders on a regular basis. And that's why they look to our technology. So the insurance companies provide a cyber insurance policy, uh, which is there in case you do get hit with a ransomware virus. But they want to reduce their risk of having to make those uh, claims. So they give software to their clients uh, to, number one, reduce the likelihood of them uh, having to pay out a claim. But number two, it gives the insurance uh, company's client the ability to actually use software uh, as part of their policy. Uh, it keeps the, the insurance company in, in the mind of the policyholder. When the policy comes up for renewal, they'll be more likely to renew. And uh, really, it's just a it's a win 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 for everybody. Uh, the the policyholder gets a bit of tech that they can use, which will proactively protect them. Uh, the insurance company uh, is engaging their customer and reducing their loss exposure. Uh, and then for us, we we get another customer. So uh, it it really works well for everybody. To to to, to Christian's point, uh, uh, Andrew. I mean, uh, and, and first of all, it's, it takes a lot to get Christian excited. So kudos to you for <laughs> for getting getting get, 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 uh, excited. And and the the thing that um, I wanted to, uh, to ask you as well is that again, from a and this was something you mentioned at, at the beginning, where there's a lot of security offerings which are again traditionally being geared towards enterprises, and that there's still so many. Um, you know, let's say they they may be labeled as SMB offerings, but really all they are are the enterprise offerings stripped of a lot of functionality, and they slap on the lo lower sticker price. Um, I'm wondering if you can uh, help me, or at least walk through from a a almost like a basic perspective. If we're talking looking at uh, basic security functionality or just table stakes functionality for small and mid-sized organizations. What, what type of technologies or capabilities should they be looking at, making sure that, that they're in place? You know, again, going beyond just the, the antivirus and, and we're good. Uh, in your mind, what type of capabilities should small and mid-sized organizations start investing in? So, so those types of companies, you know, you've got to remember they're either using a managed services provider or they've got, you know, a handful of IT people on staff. And so they just don't have time uh, to 
to put it very succinctly, they don't have time to deploy sophisticated tools and monitor them and follow up on all their outputs and, uh, and, and all that kind of thing, install agents and deploy new boxes on the network. I mean, it's just, it's headache, it's hassle and it's expensive. So our approach is to do a few different things all in one place and make it really easy. And, and the feedback we kept getting from, you know, our research, our clients, um, sort of, uh, created two, um, uh, segments of functionality that, that we do in our software. The first segment is the ex outside in monitoring. And the, the three things that we do in, in that space are uh, the data leak monitoring, where we find stolen username and password combinations. We usually find the, the, C the CEO's password uh, that has been leaked a few times. That usually gets, gets, uh, gets us meetings. Um, then we do the external vulnerability scanning. We take a look for um, known vulnerabilities in web server technology or you know file transfer software what have you um, and then the third piece of functionality we do is that hacker chatter monitoring where we look for hackers talking about hacking your particular company or companies in the same sector uh, and so all of those different components have different levels of uh, sensitivity right so the hacker chatter mentions are very very low frequency, but very high severity. You know, if one of those things happens, you got to get on it. Uh, the vulnerabilities are somewhere in the middle. They're, you know, moderate frequency and moderate severity. We find some stuff. It's not always the end of the world, but you need to act on it. And then with the, the stolen credentials, it's, you know, we find hundreds of them and you should act on some of them when we find them. Uh, so that's sort of the, the monitoring component. And then the other component is around training and awareness. So most companies have a policy where they need to train their staff or there'll be some sort of regulatory requirement where they need to train their staff on how to spot phishing emails, you know, how not to click on suspicious links. Uh, and so on the training front, we do you know very bite-size, uh, low time commitment uh, guides for staff members to, to learn how to be more secure. And then we do a simulated phishing uh, exercise where uh, the company can just kick off, you know, a fake FedEx delivery notification or something, see how many people click on the link. And if they do, then they get a little pop-up that says, oops, you know, you click on the link, here's how to spot it in the future. And those two components are, are the two things that we see small businesses needing uh, every time. Uh, and even for companies who might do some training. Maybe they've got a consultant who does it for them, or they've got you know some training they get from a managed services provider. But then they won't have that monitoring, or or vice versa. So we see the the monitoring piece combined with the training piece is sort of providing a very holistic solution for those kinds of companies. We we need to have you back and dive further into this because there's so much more to talk about. Well, and just you know, I'll I'll throw it out there for for any listeners. You know, we we get requests all the time to have a look into our data set. You know, tell me if you guys know anything about my company or my sector or whatever. We do this for managed services providers. They'll give us a list of domain names of uh, of, of clients of theirs, and we'll do a check. And usually, our our check comes back with, you know, you gave us fifty domain names. Hackers are talking about uh, ten of them. And we've got leaked data records on 75% of the companies. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're very happy to check into our data set to see if we've got matches for either the companies themselves or, or a portfolio of companies. Um, and we also do a free trial for our, uh, our breach defense product, uh, dynarist.com slash business slash trial, no commitment, no credit card needed. Uh, you can, you know, kick the tires on it 
maybe if you wanted to do a, an offer to to members, uh, listeners, you know, feel free. Uh, but like I said, no, there's no no credit card, no commitment. Uh, see see what we've got on your company. Awesome. <laughs> That's amazing. We'll definitely actively encourage our, our viewers and listeners to to check that out. And, and uh, Andrew, thank you again so much for for this amazing conversation. Like Christian was saying, uh, I think it's uh, pretty certain that you're going to be a, a show regular. So uh, we'll definitely have you back in, in the near future. Really appreciate your time today. Looking forward to it. Thanks a lot, guys. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks again, Andrew. Well, I, I must admit, it was really fun to see you get really excited about that conversation, <laughs> Christian. It's uh, you're, a, you're a fairly even keel person, but uh, to, to see your excitement uh, meter go up there, that was that was pretty special. That's all changing <laughs> like, now. <laughs> Dying to know your 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 sort of key key thoughts from that um, very dynamic conversation with Andrew. I'm still excited. I hope I hope Andrew's excited too. Although I couldn't tell one way or the other, but man, uh, it, it absolutely lit me up to to think about the world that they live in, they spend time on the dark web and at any given moment, they can uh, know what these cyber criminals are talking about and what information is uh, is where on specific companies and, and different industries. So what a powerful and helpful uh, thing that is. What a great service to small and, and medium-sized businesses. Oh, I, I absolutely. You know, I just, and just hearing uh, Andrew's experience you know, coming from the big banking world and now trying to Take what he saw in terms of the um, security opportunities that, that big enterprises have, and try and make something which would allow smaller and mid-sized organizations uh, to have that type of dynamic visibility into the cyber threat uh, landscape is a- absolutely amazing. So, what an amazing okay. offer, what an amazing platform, and, and just such a uh, smart individual. You know, so we're very grateful no to, to Andrew for taking time out of his day to to join us. And uh, as part of that, I want to make sure that, that we. Uh, we thank our, our loyal listeners and viewers for uh, carving out a uh, small window of, uh, of time to, to, to spend with us. And uh, if you enjoy what you heard or, or saw today, please uh, do leave uh, um, a rating on, on whatever platform that you're engaging on. And if you feel so compelled, please, please leave some feedback as well. Um, and as always, please make sure to check out previous episodes on the cyber, uh, sorry, on the Conversations That Matter YouTube page, uh, as well as other amazing podcasts that appear under the Conversations That Matter uh, banner. Until next time, be well, be safe, and we'll catch you next time on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast.